0: Hey guys, Amanda here. Before we get started, I want to take a moment to tell you about Apartment Life. Did you know that 95% of people living in apartments aren't connected to a local church? Our friends at Apartment Life bring believers into apartment communities to host events and care for fellow residents in times of need. Those experiences can open the door to meet people right where they are with the hope of the gospel, even in a pandemic. Apartment Life has connected more than 65,000 residents with a local church over the last 20 years. If you're passionate about loving your neighbors, visit apartmentlife.org slash She Reads Truth for all the details. Okay, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible-Williams.
1: And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And today we are joined by our friend, Lori Ferguson-Wilbert. You might recognize that name. Lori is a devotional writer for She Reads Truth. She is also a writer for Christianity Today, as well as her own site, Sable.net. This conversation covers a number of proverbs about the inner life, and Lori is just the guest for this conversation. We're so thankful for her insights. Y'all are going to really enjoy this episode. Let's get right to it. So Lori, you just moved to upstate New York. Is that yes. right? Yeah. Is it upstate?
0: Yeah, upstate. It sounds really cool to say upstate
2: New York.
1: I just feel like and you moved from Texas, which means you're getting a fall like you haven't gotten recently, like an autumn.
2: In ten years, yeah. The oh best autumn that we've had in ten years.
1: Somehow like upstate New York it like verges on like what you see of Prince Edward Island and like Anna Green Gables. It's like it feels like it's right. Yes. People
2: always talk about like Gilmore Girls and like okay, yeah. small towns. It's oh, like totally yeah. out.
1: Where were the Gilmore Girls? I never saw that show. I think show. that was in
2: Connecticut. Connecticut.
1: Okay, so that would also be yeah, – okay. similar.
0: Cool. Yeah. Where were the Gilmore Girls? I don't
1: know. Rachel. I, actually, I'm like, Rachel, okay.
2: I never saw the Gilmore Girls either. Okay, I just, People Great. always talked about it being like
1: quintessential.
2: I it's feel like okay. we've Now lost, you're living it. It's fine. We've
1: possibly lost half of our listenership. <laughs> there, <laughs> come back. Everybody come back. <laughs> We promise
0: not to talk about that anymore. These
1: are not my people. (laughs) (laughs) No, we promise. Stick around. So we are in week two of our Proverbs series, and the way that we've kind of formatted this, for those of you who didn't hear last week's episode, we've taken the book of Proverbs and we've sort of curated it in a way to organize the content in a way that we think will actually be a really helpful approach to this book. One could absolutely read it from chapter 1 all the way through 31. But what we've done instead is kind of divide the book into four big categories. So like starting with like what does the book of Proverbs, what is this wisdom about God? Starting with God and then turning inward to the inner life, and that's what we'll talk about this week. And then it kind of goes to like our immediate relationships, that's next week, and then sort of our relationship with the world. And so this week we get to talk about the inner life, which I'm excited about. And so we have, again, if you didn't listen with us last week, the readings for this week are a lot lighter. We're going to be reading like a little bit less than we would typically read. I mean, before Proverbs, we did the book of Daniel. So it was like these huge, big chunks of scripture that we were reading. But now we're reading these lighter passages and we're having these questions, reflection questions. And so we're excited for you guys to join us this week for the second week in the series, and we're especially excited, Lori, to have you with us to just kind of sit, like meditate together mm-hmm. on these passages, on this theme of the inner life. I know that you read ahead, kind of prepared for this week, and Amanda, you and I did too. Like what stuck out to you guys as you were kind of just looking at the Proverbs about the inner life?
2: So much did. First of all, I just want to commend you guys. I love to study. I haven't obviously done the whole thing yet, but I really just love the way that you parsed everything out and separated things out into smaller chunks because I think it's so, especially when we're talking about the inner life, it's so important for us to sort of do things in bite-sized pieces because the inner life is so complex. Mm -hmm. And we oftentimes, you know, we just want to broad brush it or sweep it under the rug Mm -hmm. or move past things. And I think it's so necessary to go deep instead of wide when we're talking about the inner life. So I just loved, I loved the
0: way that you guys formatted it this time well we can credit last week's guest Russ Ramsey with that because he helped us develop this plan mm-hmm. years ago yeah. and then we sort of we took that same framework for this study and you're so right that it is very complex and when you just said Rachel that the readings this week are lighter you meant in word count yes and I, we, <laughs> we knew that's what you meant but in terms of subject matter,
1: they're not lighter.
0: It's not light. Yeah. It, it is heavy, it is complex, and especially if, as we talked about last week, if we approach the book of Proverbs vulnerably and honestly, taking an honest look at what the Word says and an honest look at ourselves and our world, it can get deep really quickly.
1: Like we yeah. say at church, reading the Word and then also letting the Word read us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And boy, does the Word read us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: especially in Proverbs. So one thing that stood out to
0: me and really just started with, we have an introductory sort of really short statement for each of these week-long sections of the Proverbs study. And so this one for the inner life is wisdom concerning the body, heart, and mind. And one of the sentences in this introductory statement says that we'll examine ourselves in light of the wisdom that God's Word provides on these various topics that we're going to encounter this week. And... The concept of self-examination is really interesting to me, especially sitting where we do in time and space, <laughs> in history, and that we, you know, our American culture likes to, I think, romanticize self-examination. Like, we really like to look at ourselves. We like to
1: learn about ourselves.
0: Yeah. And especially, I think it's fair to say, our generation... Mm -hmm. And maybe the generation that comes after us, like, we really like to reinvent ourselves to think about ourselves, like, how am I presenting myself in this Instagram post? How Mm -hmm. am I, you know, who am I this year? Mm -hmm. What is my word this year? And I'm not knocking those things. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying that we'd spend a lot of time Mm -hmm. examining ourselves. And I don't want to condemn that. I don't think that that in itself is a bad thing. But I think the type of self-examination that we're going to encounter in these proverbs is different. Yeah. It is encouraging a different type of self-examination that really does start like with that vulnerability and honesty. Because I'm not sure that a lot of the self-examination that the world asks me to do is honest
1: well, and if you think about you know we could examine ourselves through the lens of the world, or we could examine ourselves through the lens of scripture and yeah. I think that that 's one of the big differences here that this invitation is to take these proverbs which we 've talked about like that they can feel a little kind of all over the place, and we 've kind of curated them by topic for this experience. But we're looking at these proverbs that are really inviting us, whether in the moment, to Mm -hmm. examine ourselves against that proverb. But we've also talked about that we'll just carry these with us. They're memorable. And so a lot of times they'll talk to us throughout our days and weeks. And that self-examination doesn't always happen when the pages of our scripture is open. Sometimes they'll talk to us while we're walking around.
2: Yeah. I think that's one of the things that's really beautiful about the proverbs in general is that they are
1: proverbs. They're
2: like you know, carrying around a pocket full of fortune cookie little yeah, slips of yeah. papers, you know, <laughs> like I always remember, you know, whenever someone says like, oh, I was just kidding. I always remember the proverb that says, you know, like a man who throws firebrands, arrows and darts is a man who says, you know, who hurts someone. And then just says, I was just kidding. I'm like, that's the power of proverbs is that we can mm-hmm. like stick them in our pocket and carry them around. And they're convictional. Yeah. They really are life changing. And they're almost always painful. hmm. <laughs> Because they really are right, they're painful, yeah. yeah, they're not like sweet, and there are some that are sweet, yeah, but, but most even of them but care. they're convicting, yeah, yeah, they're all convicting, mm-hmm. they really do they are,
1: yeah, they, i when, they we, kind of demand when all of our, change when my thirteen year old was a babe when he was two, we started going through the a b C Bible verses, and it just happened, of course, that the letter a was proverbs fifteen one a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up the so that was the first verse that I ever taught him. And it wasn't that I was intentionally going like, what will be the first scripture I teach my mm-hmm. firstborn child? It was just on
0: top of the staff. It was just
1: on top of the staff. <laughs> but last week or the week before, he had just kind of snapped back at his sister. And I looked at him and said, what is the first scripture I ever taught you? You know, And he quoted it right back to yeah. me. He's like, you're right. But like, it's talking to us now. And it's actually shaping our relationships even now. And they're true. They hold water.
0: Well, let's go. Let's start. I mean, we're just going to take a slow start this week with the topics of seduction and strength. (laughs) (laughs) Not too deep. (laughs) No, no big deal. I really appreciated this definition of seduction here in this introduction where it defines seduction as being lured by false promises. Mm -hmm. I mean, ouch. Like, (laughs) yes. That, you know, what is it that Captivates and compels us. And, you know, along with the word seduction, the word lust comes to mind. And not just in a physical way, yes, also in a physical way, sure. but also in just like what are the things that offer me those like quick promises of pleasure is the category we go to first, but also like control, mm-hmm. comfort. Easing my mind, like it reminds me of in the prophets, like they say, peace, peace, where there is no peace, you know, mm-hmm. and that we kind did, of thing. like a so, dullness. That's right. Yeah. So let's talk about these. Let's read some of these. Lori, are there any of these that stung a little or <laughs> stirred something in you
2: as you were reading? Yeah, I think Proverbs 24, 7, wisdom is inaccessible to a fool. He does not open his mouth at the city gate. I just thought, man, Like, we, of course, so much about Scripture is about getting wisdom and going Mm -hmm. after wisdom and seeking wisdom and finding it. But, like, it's not accessible to a fool. Like, a fool can't even get it. And so it just made me, oh, man, I want to, like, keep my mouth shut until I'm, like, not foolish or Mm -hmm. until I can have God's wisdom or God's word in my mouth instead of just so much of the earthly wisdom. And like, I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be a fool, but I think we can get, like, really seduced by people who open their mouths like untimely times, we think that yes. that's, there's something really seductive about that. There's something really seductive about becoming, you know, an influencer or, mm-hmm. you know, having power or being attractive. Or There's just sed- seduction in those things. And really, ultimately, a lot of those things are foolish things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it's like a heroic vibe, but it's a false heroism.
0: So much of this, I think, This is going to be common as we talk through Proverbs this week and even in the weeks to come, that I find it hard to find my words sometimes when I'm thinking through and trying to articulate what it is that I feel like the Lord is teaching Mm -hmm. me, you know, because it's, it's almost impossible, I think, to read so many of these and not go to application, you know i mean we try to read scripture and say okay what does this mean before we automatically go to what does this mean to me or how am i going to live this but proverbs in just the power of few words right even in the way the format of the book is it it speaks and it speaks loudly the verse right before that that ends it ends with the phrase victory comes with many counselors and there are so many times Throughout the book where community yeah. is, you can hear the echoes of like community and that we were built. You know, we were talking about when we first signed on and said hello to each other, that it's, it's so good to see faces mm-hmm. because so many of us are starved for connection right now. But that community is not just about how it makes us feel, you know, and mm-hmm. about camaraderie and fellowship. It's also about wisdom and yeah. having counsel and being surrounded by people who love what God loves.
1: You know, on the topic of seduction and strength, I was just walking through this day, I think last week, and the questions really got me. I mean, especially with the scriptures that are laid aside them, but question one for that day is like, what's the most powerfully seductive voice speaking into your life right now? And I like our definition for seduction, which is like that, like counting on false promises or being lured by false promises. And for me, I think so often I'm seduced by this illusion of being in control, and for whatever reason or of whatever thing. Mm -hmm. But then the follow-up question is, like, what is the God-given longing of your heart that lies just beneath the desire you just named? And the God-given desire that lies beneath my desire for control is trust. Like, I want God to be in control. I want that. That is my God-given desire. And so even if you read Proverbs 18, 10, it says, The name of the Lord— is a strong tower, the righteous run to it and are protected. And when we're talking on the topic of seduction and Mm -hmm. strength, I think, yeah, like that's actually my desire is to run to the name of the Lord and be protected, like to run to God is my strong tower. Yeah.
2: That's really good. When you think about question one, what is the most powerfully seductive voice speaking to your life right now? It's kind of, for me, Rachel, it's the opposite. It's like, I don't want any control. Like, I don't want to speak into... X. Yeah. I don't want to be the voice. I don't want to have any power in okay, or yeah. any sway in those things. And I think Proverbs 24, 10, if you do nothing in a difficult time, your strength is limited. And so my Ugh. like drive so often is just to be like, I'm out. I'm going to abdicate. My yeah. voice is not as important in this moment. I, you know, There's other people who can speak to that. And I think, oh, gosh, if you do nothing in a difficult time, your strength is limited. My strength like, is limited. Yeah, like our strength is actually become stronger mm-hmm. under the Lord when we do move toward the things that He's calling us to do, even in difficult times. And so,
1: yeah. And so both of these are like wisdom that yeah. we're learning mm-hmm. and Scripture is reading us yeah. and Scripture instructing us and growing us in wisdom. Because now, like, as we learn this and as we kind of examine our relationship with the lord. I'm grateful for this tool for this reminder now that when I am kind of grasping to be in control of something to go the name of the lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe.
0: Yeah, run to it. Run I'm to not the name of the saunter Lord or stroll to it. Yeah. I'm going to run to it.
1: I don't need to be the strong tower. Yeah. Like how many times do I need to hear that in a day? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's
0: just like if there's an actual storm coming, I run to a shelter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's the image. Okay, so another one from the same day in Proverbs 25, verse 27, it is not good to eat too much honey or to seek glory after glory. Hmm. I thought about Toby, our six-year-old, because he saw a picture of honey, like a honey jar the other day, and he was like, Have I had honey? I was like, Yeah, you've had honey. Because he's been in the States for two years. I'm like, You've had honey. But he couldn't remember. And so I was like, well, let's try it again. And so I put some on some bread and he tasted or whatever. And it took him a bit and he was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. That's Aww. good. And so then he asked for some, like right before bed. He was like, I want some more honey. I was <laughs> like, you know what? Maybe not right before bed. Like that's kind of a breakfast thing. What if we have that for breakfast? But he kind of lost his sweet tooth, but it's come back. Mm. And so we have to keep an eye on that kid because he will eat himself <laughs> sick if we let him, which all of my kids have gone through this phase. So it, you know, feels right. But it's only a
1: phase.
0: It's also me with the Trader Joe's dark chocolate peanut butter
1: cups. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got some in my fridge. Yeah. Oh, in the fridge. Yeah. Not. That's don't so freeze them. That's too much. Wait. But the fridge, it's just the right amount of temperature.
0: Mine are in the pantry and every time I eat one, it gets on my fingers. Yeah. No. You've just changed my life. I'm here for you. Thank you. So okay. I may not
1: have watched Gilmore Girls, but I, I know how to eat a <laughs> peanut butter cup. You know the important yeah. stuff.
0: <laughs> the important stuff I'm that involves dark guys. chocolate.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I read that and I
0: thought, oh, this reminds me of Toby. And seek glory after glory because I'm like you... Lori, in that, can you just give me a behind the scenes job? I want to take the back seat. I don't want to be in the driver's seat, that sort of thing. And so I think, oh, yeah, I can live with this proverb. This is great. And then we go to 28. (laughs) A person who does not control his temper is like a city whose wall is broken down, Mm -hmm. to which I wrote, oof. Mm -hmm. Proverbs, it just is like, jab, jab, Mm -hmm. jab, punch mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're all punches but there's different ones get you at different times yeah.
1: I actually I noticed that that verse was mentioned in question three of that day's reading where it was talking about 25 and I was just like wait a minute like I don't actually understand how that's true like how is it like a city who's, so I kind of had to like sit with it and go like well I mean a city whose walls broken down is not prepared for attacks it's vulnerable, it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable. Yeah. and so then it took me a minute to like go like I don't get that how why
0: Well, and we talked just a smidge last week about the reality of the spiritual realm and spiritual warfare and that, you know, the enemy is real. Mm -hmm. And that's what this, you know, makes me think of because not controlling my temper. Mm. I like to joke that I didn't have a temper until I had children.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of true. I've never heard that joke.
0: But it's not really a joke because it is kind of true. But I think what it is, is it just revealed some things in me that had been there. How
1: selfish we were allowed to be.
0: Kind of. Maybe. But it just there was something else. There was just something about it that accessed a different part of my person. Mm-hmm. I was gonna I say didn't I didn't I re-
2: know I had anger until I went through therapy. And then I was like, <laughs> Uh-huh. Oh, oh there it is. I am yeah. angry I'm yeah.
0: Out. yeah. thank you for asking. I am very angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I think when I lose my temper,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it is giving in to I am listening to a seductive voice when I give in to that, and it is a version of kind of what you just described, of wanting to be in control, Mm -hmm. of like, you know, this cannot go on, I'm going to escalate because this has to stop, or whatever, I'm Mm -hmm. responding to something. And the moment I do that, the moment I give myself to that, it's like opening the door for the enemy and saying, come on in.
1: Oh, the walls are down.
0: Because the walls are down. You're
1: not protected. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah, I find a lot of this convicting as a parent, but also just as I mean, I just find this convicting. And it's one thing to outwardly express anger or outwardly lose our temper. But, you know, it's cute that I was naive until I was 28 about having (laughs) anger issues. But, you know, but it it was inside, it was internal. And Mm -hmm. it was something that I did internally, but I didn't dare do externally. Anyway, yeah, I'm
2: told you guys, Proverbs will just get you. They'll get you. That's kind of another form of seduction is to believe that we're like free of sin in some way because, you know, and then another, you know, situation or circumstance in our life is going to sort of rub us that way and it's going to come out. It's like a minute ago, I was like, I don't really struggle with control, but you know what? Getting a house renovated, like moving into a fixer-upper, you suddenly realize like, I just need, you know, I need my contractor to stop hammering right now or whatever. Like, I'm just like, I need this to happen. And you just, you know, it can be a really seductive lie to believe that we're like, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't struggle with that. That's not my personality. And I think God wants all of us to be formed all the way through the complexity of our bodies, our minds, our spirits, our everything have to be conformed to Him fully. Mm-hmm. And so He's going to use, you know, He's going to use children for you, He's going to use therapy for me to root out those forms of anger that are coming out and, you know, ways that I, you know, moments that I check the Spirit, I call it like checking the Holy Spirit at the door. Oh, wow. <laughs> because that's like, you know, when I let my anger out in a situation or something like that, I just think... Yeah, I don't get to do that. I'm a Christian, and we don't get to check the fruit of the Spirit at the door of our homes or our our children's conversation with a child or Mm -hmm. in therapy or any of those places. The Spirit comes with us.
1: This is where we sit down and have a conversation about the inner life, but Mm -hmm. we talk about the inner life through the lens of Scripture and not the world, and it really does—it slices— yeah, I hadn't thought about the concept of checking the Holy Spirit at the door of my home or with a person, but that's a helpful—I mean, that is not inaccurate. <laughs> I, I wish mean, I, th-
2: I think we all do it. I always say, like, a lot of us bring our, like, worst selves home to our families. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways that— Because we lot- feel
1: the most secure there, maybe. Yeah.
2: I think that says a lot about, like, the health of our inner life is, like, if mm-hmm. I think I can check— you know, my best self out the door and bring my worst self home to my family, then my inner life is probably not very rich because I'm just yeah. trying to, like, hold on and bear it in my relationships with others outside the home. Yeah. And then, you know, be
1: my worst self at home. You just let it all out. Yeah, come home. Yeah, that, yeah, that
2: tells me, hey, I've got some inner work to do on uh-huh. in my yeah. inner life.
1: So for Tuesday's reading this week, which is day nine, we talk about health and happiness. And this was one that I actually struggled to draw the connection with. Even in my reading last week, I just thought, yeah, like I get how, I mean, we know that taking care of our bodies is important. And we, of course, know that our spiritual lives are important, that our spiritual health is important. But as I was reading the Proverbs for that day, I was like, yeah, it feels more like we're talking about physical health as a byproduct of spiritual health, and I I was trying to kind of get to the bottom of that, and then I found the bottom of that. I think I started unpacking that with my friend Jessica, and and I just realized, like, oh, so yeah, maybe this is not prescribing, like, hey, take care of your body. Like, there's none of these Proverbs that are doing that, though we do know that we see that in Scripture. But what these Proverbs are telling us, they're telling us that when we're spiritually well, often— not always, but often we are more physically well, and when we are spiritually unwell, we are sometimes also physically unwell, and that's not an always. but it kind of helped me kind of think back in my life, have there been times where I've been physically icky and actually been able to draw a direct line to, you know what, I'm? there's something else that I'm not dealing with? And sometimes that can be as simple as something like, I'm not taking time to rest because I am so sure that the world will fall apart that I hold all things together you're busy being in control I'm busy not being, you I'm talking about sure that we yeah. <laughs> but also that can be me that's yeah. okay we can really this can be Rachel's therapy but session. To talk to you about this Thanks. <laughs> yeah but when we aren't resting because we think that we have to hold all things together and we know of course that Christ holds all things together but I've been able to look back over the last couple of days because this is one of those things that has spoken to me over the last several days mm-hmm. you know where's my physical body? impacted by spiritual unhealth. I kind of wanted
2: to add on to what you're saying a little bit. I want you to, yeah. Because I really struggle with the, not all issues in our body are because of like issues in our own lives. There's systemic traumas that, you know, our bodies are bearing on them the traumas of our grandparents and their grandparents in a lot of ways, or the sins of our parents and the sins of their parents in a lot of ways and then there's of course like the sin of adam that has led to the fall and that has Mm -hmm. led to just brokenness you know across the world and so yes there is i think a direct correlation between like the way that we are cultivating our inner life with the lord and walking by the spirit and the health of our own body but i want to be careful to not say like i think there are some people with some really beautiful rich inner life healthy, growing, love the Lord and are yeah. you know living in very, very, very broken bodies. And I yeah. think for me that says that speaks an almost more powerful truth. Like a tranquil heart. This is from Proverbs 1430, a tranquil heart is life to the body. The jealousy is rotten to the bones. I think in my life, I look at my body and I've gone through, you guys know this. We're pretty public about this. We've gone through infertility and repeated mm-hmm. pregnancy loss. My body has like mm-hmm. bears the scars of that, not just the physical scars of right. ectopic pregnancy, but mm-hmm. also just the mental, emotional, spiritual scars of pregnancy loss repeatedly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What gives life to my body is not you know, a perfect theology and all these things. But I think what gives life to my body is a tranquil heart, is like a contentment that this is the story that God has for us. It's not the story we would have chosen. And I think in a lot of ways, it looks to the world like a broken story. They would look at my body and they would say, there's something broken, you know, infertility or barrenness. There's a brokenness there. And they might say, well, it's because there's a sin in your life. And I would say, Mm -hmm. you know what? The Lord has been so good and sufficient and faithful and kind to us in this. And that's hard to say, but I just think there's a tranquilness to our contentment in this as it is right now. And that is what gives life to my body. Even if to the world, it looks like a broken body. I feel life in my body in a way I would say this year in a way that I haven't before in some ways in some ways, have come to peace with the brokenness of my body, come to peace mm-hmm. with the... That's a hard thing to do. It is a really hard thing to do. And I think mm-hmm. that's why it's so important to cultivate a rich inner life because mm-hmm. yeah. because we are dealing with... I mean, if we look at 2020 right now, we're just dealing with so much brokenness. Mm-hmm. It's so important, though, for us to have tranquil hearts, yeah, contented yeah. hearts
1: and... Yeah. And then 1722, right beneath that, Lori just says a joyful heart is good medicine. Good medicine. Yeah. But a broken spirit dries up the bones, that joyful heart. There's so much. And you know, I mean, this is the thing about Proverbs, that this thing is sometimes true. That Proverbs isn't saying, if you're ill, this must be why, or this is a symptom of, but it also, like I have found that to be... Sometimes true, yeah. You know, but I love that, like having that joyful heart, having that tranquil heart. Like these are things that, like even living in a poor, fallen world with broken bodies, a tranquil heart is something that comes from the Lord, and a joyful heart the same. Yeah, you can't not acknowledge the
0: story of Job in a conversation like this, where you know that drove his friends crazy. Well, you must have done something. Mm -hmm. This has to be for a reason that we can find and point out and name, the Lord doesn't always provide that kind of clarity. And I don't even know that it's fair to say that the Lord works in that kind of a plus B equals C fashion. You know, that's how our yeah, brains think, work. Yeah, I think
2: about but, the man in the Gospels that the disciples said, you know, was it because of this man's sin or his parents' yeah. sin? Yeah, or his parents' sin, yeah, because yeah, it's one Jesus, or the other. Yeah, and Jesus yeah. is like, no, it's because of my glory. It's so my glory can—and so I think it's, it's so complex. It is really complex, and at the same time it is. Like, Rachel, you're talking about, like, I need to be right with the Lord mm. in my life and just trust that he's going to heal my body or— solve my body or whatever is broken. He's going to heal that here or in the age to come.
0: Mm -hmm. And as we started out this study last week, acknowledging that our relationship with the Lord and our view of God and our understanding of who we are in relationship to God affects everything else to some extent, like everything else. And so the choices that I make in my life and in regard to my physical health and you know, the rest I take or don't take, all of those things, I can trace back somehow (laughs) to this relationship with the Lord. And those choices have consequences. Mm -hmm. And so I can make myself sick with worry. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that, oh, I'm doing this to myself, this is my fault, but there's some sort of, we're just, we're circling around it, it's really hard to pinpoint it, there's some sort of connection, Mm -hmm. there's some sort of connection that we've been created with. Yes. And also, sometimes, for reasons that I will not even pretend to understand, God creates hearts without certain valves. Or without certain vessels, or without, like, I don't believe that that's outside of God's control, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -mm. but it's for His glory. Mm -hmm. And so these are hard, these are hard topics. We know our She Reads Truth community well enough to know that there are those suffering from chronic illness, Mm -hmm. there are those suffering from an enduring infertility, Mm -hmm. loss of life, loss of children. Mm -hmm. This is the world that we. This is the fallen world. And so these are the parameters of our conversation because because this is our reality. And so it's important to wrestle, you know, just in the same way we wrestled a little bit last week with the word happiness Mm -hmm. and an understanding of the meaning of the biblical text. I think we could do the same thing with health, Mm -hmm. that there is a physical health. There is also a spiritual and a mental and an emotional health. And we know that because we have a God who is imminent in our lives and in our world that all of those things mm-hmm. are under his
1: reign and then we get Proverbs four like we get this like we get in Proverbs well 4? I mean what we're saying is like we don't have the control of what occurs in our broken bodies, but we see in Proverbs you know 14 and 17 that this tranquil heart, this joyful heart and we also get in Proverbs 4, This is Solomon talking to his son. He says, My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's body. Mm -hmm. This is walking with the Lord. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Walking with the Lord is health to one's body. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And to die is gain at the same time. We know that that doesn't mean like if you're walking, you'll live forever. That's all you'll what's be happening here. physically healthy, or you'll be well. Like, but to read this and say that my words, and Solomon, of course, is talking about this wisdom is health to the whole body.
0: Well, and here's the thing you used the word contentment earlier, and I was thinking about the lens that we've been talking about looking at our lives and ourselves and the people around us through the lens of scripture. Even definitions of words we have to come at through the lens of scripture. So, contentment. As you were talking about, it doesn't mean, oh, I'm fine with everything. Everything's fine. That's not contentment. That's not biblical contentment. And health, you know, mm-hmm. you see Jesus when he heals in the Gospels, your faith has made you well, mm-hmm. or, you know, like your sins are forgiven. Like there is a spiritual and eternal health that he is first yeah. and foremost concerned with. He is also concerned with our physical health. We also see him bring physical restoration. We also see him not bring, like when, and I'm making a little bit of a jump here, but I'm thinking now about Paul and his thorn in the flesh. Mm -hmm. Paul knew Jesus. Jesus evidently did not see fit to take that away from Paul. And, you know, I know Jesus. Mm -hmm. There's healing that Jesus has not seen fit to bring about in the terms that I've asked for it you know mm-hmm. and you've experienced that in your life too it's yeah. there's so much in this book of proverbs and in conversations like this when we're willing to actually sit and talk and have honest conversations and wrestle through some of these things with each other where we just have to hold things that we know to be true in both hands and say i don't really know how these always work together but that doesn't mean that they're not always true Hey friends, Amanda here. Believe it or not, Advent is right around the corner. And the best way to make sure that you don't miss out on this beautifully designed study book, our favorite study book of the year, is to sign up for the She Reads Truth subscription box. Our Advent 2020 study features daily scripture readings carefully curated for the Advent season. And like always, it's filled with Christmas joy, like favorite recipes, festive carols, and of course, some Christmas crafts. You can also invite your friends and family to read with you this Advent season. We have our He Reads Truth Advent Legacy book and our Kids Read Truth Advent Conversation cards, perfect for gathering the whole family around God's Word. To read with us this Advent season, head over to shopshereadstruth.com slash box to subscribe today. That's com slash box, B-O-X. Okay, let's get back
2: to the show. I'm always so comforted. One of my favorite narratives in the Gospels is when Thomas comes and Thomas says, you know, unless I put my hands into—thrust my hand Mm -hmm. into his side, stick my fingers in the nail hole, I won't believe. And Jesus Mm -hmm. comes and— Dr. Barry Jones, he says that Jesus made his wounds available to Thomas for Thomas's healings. And I, what I'm really struck by is that Jesus still had wounds, even in his new body. I'm always struck yes. by that because I just think, you know, we can be whole, one with Christ, united in every single way and still have mm-hmm. wounds, and our wounds are there to be made available to others. And so I just find that fascinating when we're talking about the human body and i thought a lot about the body over the past couple of years, and I just yeah. find that so fascinating that Jesus, Zach S. Wine says that Jesus leaves some things unhealed until the new kingdom, and I think that's beautiful. I think it's really hard. I'm not in any way trying to like, I mean, I think about Toby over the there past There are no bows to tie here. No, there's yeah. no bows
1: when I look Mm-mm. at
2: his little body over the past couple of years and just like. How difficult that was for you guys and how difficult that has
0: been for him. And for him, and you talk about trauma that you carry. Yeah. You know, he's carrying trauma that he doesn't even know that he's carrying because how do you keep track of it all? I saw a photo from earlier in the calendar year when he came home. We had not adopted him yet, but I have a photo from earlier in that year, and it's his sweet little torso, and, like, you can see a scar, but that's the only, his first heart from surgery his first scar, surgery. that was his only scar, yeah. and now, I mean, the kid is riddled with scars and it is the terrain of his body and his specifically like his chest and his back and his abdomen, like it's gnarly, you know, but like, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like his scars tell a story. But I've thought often, I wish I could remember who, because I didn't come to that acknowledgement on my own or that realization on my own about Jesus's scars and his glorified body, but that Toby's savior has scars, and mm-hmm. he also has scars. And what a level of like, Jesus is our high priest and can sympathize with our weaknesses. And you know that so many of us carry various types of scars—ones we can see and ones we can't see—and that our Savior would have experienced trauma and have his own scars that tell his story. Beautiful. It is so powerful mm-hmm. and so above and beyond what I would ever think to ask of a God, Mm. you know? like,
1: And if you were going to make up a God, he wouldn't have scars. No. This is our God. Yeah. Laura, you mentioned that you've given a lot of thought to the body over the last several years. And you wrote a book called Handle With Care that released, so ironically, a week before everyone went into quarantine, a book about touch. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that about the book and how that was intended to be received but also how was it maybe differently received in the climates that it landed in
2: yeah i think here's the reality and i think all truth is god's truth and all truth lasts you know Amen. far beyond our own intended target or any of those things so mm-hmm. i might have had a lot of intentions for the book my hope was that that book would be read you know in small groups of two or three. I remember small groups. Yeah, right. Remember those Mm -hmm. archaic things? My hope was that the book would be, you know, brought into therapy rooms. My hope was that it would be a book that pastors could, you know, put into action in their lives with the people that they serve and love. And yeah, I think, you know, talking about the Proverbs, you know, the Lord directs our steps. We can make our plans, but the Lord directs our steps. And so, you know, I was faithful to write the book. I was faithful to get it published by God's grace. And it did. It came out just a few weeks before we all went on lockdown. And at first, it felt like a real cosmic joke. I'll be honest with you guys. I just was like, <laughs> what? Sure. Yeah. Like, I just felt like the biggest joke in the world.
1: How do I even talk about this book? Like, how do I talk about this right now?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's hard. Even now, we're seven or eight months out, and I'm still like, how do I talk about this book?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, Physical
2: touch. What's the subtitle of the book? How Jesus Redeems the Power of touch in life and ministry. It's the wordiest subtitle in the world. Nope, I like. <laughs> no, that. but it's clarifying. It's good. Yeah. So I just walk through, you know, the gospels and the way that Jesus interacts with the body. But I was going to say this. I think where I've landed now, seven months out, is I think the most powerful chapter of the book is at the very end, where I talk about. Remember, you're part of a body. You're part of a body of Christ. Remember Christ's body, and then remember you're more than a body. And so I think. Yeah, I have thought a lot about touch and the human body and health and all those things over the past couple of years. I think that the book will hopefully be most powerful if we can begin to cultivate. I love Proverbs 4 talks about health to one's whole body. Saw that, yeah. I love that because oftentimes we just give attention to our diet or to feeling good or whatever,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: but God cares about. Our whole body, our whole physical body, he cares about the whole body of Christ. Mm -hmm. He cares about Christ's whole body, Mm -hmm. and he cares about really the whole world. And so I Mm -hmm. think that that is really profound, their life to those who find them, these words, and health to one's whole body. I mean, you can take that in every direction possible, and I think that's where I landed with the book finally. I feel like I'm at a place of peace of it, is like, you know what, this is for the whole body, take that however you will. And it doesn't have to be about touch. It could just minister to someone's body just as mm-hmm. they are.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that book has a long life ahead of it. It wasn't a book for six months or nine months. It's Thank got you a for long life ahead of it. Thank yeah. you for saying that. Mm-hmm.
2: I kind of petered out. I'll be honest. I just was like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I get that. You know, the most important time for a book is in its first, you know, a couple months after releases. Yeah. And what do you do?
1: Yeah, what do you do? So I But yeah. that, that book's gonna to minister to a lot of people. Thank for you for thinking. saying that.
2: I'm kind of at the position where I'm like, you know what? I talked about it. I'm I kinda know. done talking about it. I mean, I'll talk about it with whoever asks, but I'm not <laughs> I can't promote it ceaselessly this year. So yeah, that's where I am. Yeah, I get
1: that. Thanks for but, asking you know, about it though.
0: Yeah. Our friend named Melissa, who released a book, and she just decided, she was like, you know what? That launch didn't go the way I wanted to. I'm just going to launch it again. Relaunch. And it? She did her own, like, relaunch. So, like, <laughs> if you ever decide to relaunch, yeah. we could can, we can be in it. There you go. Uh, that's a good idea. All right. Well, another the, easy topic. Another easy
1: topic yeah, adversity cool. and anger. Day 10.
0: <laughs> cool, cool, cool. I
1: like that there has been at least two oofs so oh, far yeah. in this episode. Oh, here I got a good one. Oh, right there's here. a good one right there. Uh-huh.
0: We'll get to that in a minute, Proverbs seventeen fourteen. Well, let's get to it now. To start a conflict is to release a flood. Stop the dispute before it breaks out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's clear as day. Stop the dispute <laughs> mm-hmm. before it breaks out. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that these are words. I think I'm going to put this on the wall of my home. And just, I have some giant Post-its. Highly recommend giant Post-its, by the way. Link to them in the show notes. Just write a Bible verse, stick it on the wall. Yeah, subtle hint. Well, then they, they get, the get to talk family. to you all
1: week. Listen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I actually loved from this, and this is dumb, but I thought I was funny. But it also helped. The one from Proverbs ten twelve that hatred stirs up conflicts, but love covers all offenses, and it made me think of ketchup. That like, oh, you put ketchup on anything covers a multitude of cooking problems. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: funny. Love but, is ketchup. Yeah, oh, that's a t shirt. Sure, that was right. a good t shirt.
1: Yeah, sure. But, I mean, it's true. It's funny. Mm -hmm. But there's also such truth to that, that love covers up so many offenses, Mm -hmm. like, that a great majority of the time, the best response we can give is just love. So here's
2: a question for you guys. I think with those two, you know, the ones that you guys just both mentioned, I think we're in a time right now where, you know, to speak your truth is, like, the thing, you know, or to— Just air your grievances or say what's. I have to be honest about what's on my heart or whatever. I'm saying that sarcastically, right? But like, we're in this age where to say everything that's in you is glorified. It's been yeah, it's become virtuous Mm -hmm. to say everything that's in you. How do we as Christians? How do we Mm -hmm. stop disputes before they break out? What do we do with that churning? As long as we're talking about the inner life, like, what do we Mm -hmm. do with that churning inside of us? that anger or resentment that's churning inside of us that we want to speak? Okay. What do we do with that? I'm still learning this because I'm still learning. Like I said, I'm like just learning that I have anger. So I'm like, okay, how do I, you know, the other night I, since we're being honest, can I be honest?
1: Yeah, we, <laughs> we are being honest. The just night, the three of us. No yeah. one else is listening. No <laughs> else is listening.
2: <laughs> uh, my husband and I were in a conflict and he said something and this thought came into my head and I was like, what I'm about to say is absolutely true. Like it's one hundred percent true, verifiably true, and I know it's going to hurt him. Yeah, I said it anyway, and not to hurt him, but because I was like, "I'm right. I'm saying something. I'm, I'm, right. I'm going to speak this. I'm yeah. going to speak this because it's right." And it ended up in conflict that we had to work through. We worked through mm-hmm. it by God's grace. But what do we do with those moments where you know what's in our hearts mm-hmm. is true? Mm-hmm and is also maybe perhaps not the best thing to say? What do we do in these moments? How do we stop a dispute before it starts?
1: You know, one of the things that my mom said to me as a kid that rings in my ears, rang in my ears this weekend, and I'm sure there's a proverb to match it, but Rachel, to be obnoxiously right is wrong. And, oh. I, and that is hard for me because I am right a lot of the time. Tell yeah. Susan that
0: that'll preach.
1: That'll preach. Um, uh, but to be obnoxiously right is wrong. You don't always have to be right. Yeah. You don't always have to be. Sometimes, just like we're seeing in Proverbs 14, a patient person shows great understanding. What if I just patiently chilled out?
0: It's what Kathleen Kelly learns in You've Got Mail. Do you remember? Yeah. Where she's like, when she's like, you know, that moment. Where you just want to like zing. I don't know how she puts yeah, it, but she you them just want to zing them. Yeah, yeah you just want to zing. And then she does it, right? And then she's like...
2: The, the thing you meant to say finally comes out. Yeah, when yeah. you
0: finally say the thing you meant to say right when you want to say it, and then you feel terrible, right? Like you do it and you feel terrible. I think that part of the answer to this question, two things came to mind. I mean, one thing that came to mind is prayer, because we know yeah. that we can take our whole selves to God even our anger. And I think that is something that it may seem simple, but I don't know that a lot of us know that, and I don't know that a lot of us practice that.
1: Well, I don't think it's really,
0: Yeah, anywhere. of really submitting mm-hmm. ourselves, our whole selves, not the version of ourselves that we feel like God can handle or will cause Him to continue to love us but our whole selves, submit our whole selves to God Mm -hmm. and pray without ceasing, right? I mean, that doesn't mean pause when you're also angry, like to pray to the Lord. But I think too, just the church, the body, you know, you can also ask, is it appropriate to voice just all the things in the context of the church community and the body of Christ? But I do think that we can have circles, and we have to have trusted whether it's a spouse or a friend or just mm-hmm. someone that we can we can confess to the Lord. But I think there's also a lot of power in confessing to a person, and like not for the purposes of forgiveness. You know, like I confess my sin to God, mm-hmm. but also to acknowledge our sin to, as the body to of other Christ. people as the yeah. body of Christ, so that we can speak truth to one another and find some fellowship in our struggles.
2: I love that you say that because I think, men so often we're tempted to sort of speak the honest truth Uh to the one that we know it's going to cause conflict with. Mm -hmm. Like in that illustration I just gave you, I should not speak in anger toward my husband to my husband. But -hmm. there are times where I can feel angry about some other situation, that Mm -hmm. I can bring that to my husband. And he is able to diffuse that anger in me Mm -hmm. by the grace of God. And so there Mm -hmm. are times I love that you're saying that, Amanda, because there are times where we do need to speak some things or process some things that are inside of us. And the Lord has made, I think, a space for that. He's made churches. Yeah.
0: And the Lord knows our intent and our motivation. He knows the motivations of our heart. And so this isn't like, yeah, go gossip and talk about the ways your husband's Mm -hmm. making you mad to everybody else. No, but to go to someone for the purpose of understanding and healing. And sometimes I think the timing Is everything too, like to not do the zinger, but after we've breathed a little, Mm -hmm. to bring it before one another.
1: And sometimes we read a verse, like we have this conversation, we read a verse like Proverbs 20, verse 3, that says honor belongs to a person who ends a dispute, Mm. and we immediately, our minds go to either person A or person B. Who's going to be the person who ends the dispute? But there's often a person seat. Like you were describing, Lori, where like maybe you go to your husband later and you're like, this thing's really just like I'm so upset. And he gets to be that He finishes peacemaker. it for me. Yeah. Yeah. And he can bring peace to a dispute. And then, of course, honor belongs to him. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And then the verse completes by saying, but any fool can get himself into a quarrel. That's easy. The path of least resistance is finding a fight. It's to just
2: say the thing that's on your. Yeah, it's I gotta speak out. my truth. Yep. I gotta I've got I,
1: yep. I've got to be honest. I'm gonna say what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. Shocking.
0: This yeah. just in. This just. You don't in. have to. <laughs>
1: um,
0: there's a part of this day. This day is also about adversity. Mm-hmm. And I just want to touch on that before we walk away from it. Partly because I want to read this line in Proverbs three twenty six that is just beautiful but also because I have a question. So here's Proverbs 3, 25 and 26. Don't fear sudden danger or the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from a snare. Mm. The Lord will be your confidence. Mm. It reminds me in a conversation that Rachel and I often have about hope, but I think there are some roots in this conversation that actually came from you, Lori. You and Nate have a household slogan. You have a family motto. What is it?
2: Yeah, fidelity to the word of God, I and,
1: not, and to, not to an outcome, not to an outcome. Yep. We know it better than you do. Well, what a, the
2: thing is not hung up in this house I yet? Know. So you to yeah. hang it. Yes, we're moving we find in a, a wall for it. Yeah,
1: that's okay. It echoes in our ears a lot. Yeah. People fidelity like me move God
2: and not to an outcome. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. And so we talk to one another just in our personal lives, but also sometimes when we're studying Scripture like mm-hmm. this, the difference between hoping. In yes. Something and hoping for something. Mm-hmm. And um, it's our
1: hope question mark or a hope exclamation point. I hope this could happen. Or yeah. I have this hope, this anchor. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And so it reminds me of your motto. Do you call it your motto? What do you call it?
2: Actually, I actually don't call it anything. We just call it a mm-hmm. saying in our
0: house. There you go. I yeah. think it's the Wilbert family little, motto. little, little mantra. <laughs> I like it. But it's. I think that's important. The Lord will be our confidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He will keep our foot from a snare. Our hope is in God, not in mm-hmm. an outcome. Mm-hmm. Our fidelity is to God, is to the word of God mm-hmm. and what we know to be true, not in the outcome mm-hmm. that we think we need, we think we deserve, we, whatever it is, whatever the case may be. I guess there's not a question in there. I just really wanted to ask you. We've still your two motto. good days
1: left and we're never going to make it.
0: We're never going to make it, but you know what? That's okay. Let's flip. What do we have? Is there anything in these last two days? So our yes, last two there's days. There's so much two in, two in these last two. Days. I was. I didn't <laughs> finish my sentence. Is there anything in these last two days, Lori, that you really want to hit on before we pivot here toward the end of the episode? We have day eleven: counsel and instruction, and then what do we have? What's day twelve? Day
2: twelve: humility and pride. Ouch. Oh man, we're missing so much. I really wanted to hit on. Proverbs 13, the one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. I mean, that's a proverb that I have in my pocket often because I just Mm -hmm. think I want to surround myself with not just wise friends Mm -hmm. and wise leaders, but also like, what am I ingesting on social media? Mm -hmm. Is it wisdom or is it foolishness or is it angry people or is it yeah. Whatever, you know, hashtag activism or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. am I surrounding myself with a wise or am I surrounding myself with fools? Mm-hmm. So it's just it's a hard. question that it, I'm asking myself all the time.
0: That's good. Yeah. And I think sometimes it puts us in a seat that, like, I don't want to be in. I don't want to judge who's wise and who's a fool. It just, it makes me want to yeah. just sit down for mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, I'm just going to use the screen time function on my phone. Which is a great, phone.
2: <laughs> great thing to do. Great yeah. thing yeah. to do.
0: And just, like, it's okay to step back from that stuff. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know, how many times have we heard these verses, but how revolutionary are these verses, especially in the time in which we live? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know Him, and He will make your path straight. I mean, every There's a phrase... reason that this is a
1: memorable passage. Yes. There's a reason. And I mean, you can
0: take it phrase by phrase, and it is almost at the opposite... Of what the world would have us do or would tell us. To lean not on your own
1: understanding. Instead, we're going like, no, like, I've got to possibly, like, it must be that I know best. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I actually read that second line, the lean not on your own understanding, and I just thought, that's the garden. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what happened Uh, in the garden. I mean, we like to go back to the garden at least once per series, and so Mm -hmm. here we are. But that's what Adam and Eve did. They leaned on their own understanding.
2: Well, I think even just the way that you know that Emmy phrased the question, "Did God really say?" made her sort of recall, you know, mm-hmm. what God said, but she added to what God said. Yes, uh, yeah. she changed what God said, and mm-hmm. that's where you know a whole host of mess came from. That,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, a whole host of mess. Well, and that goes <laughs> right into
0: humility and pride. I'm a writer, yeah, all yeah, right, good, all <laughs> right, good. Good. <laughs> good words for living, but humility and pride. In this introduction, there's a C.S. Lewis quote, Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Mm -hmm. It comes from a fundamental misunderstanding Mm -hmm. or misapplication of who God is Mm -hmm. and who we are. And yeah, in the garden, like to be like him. Mm
1: -hmm. No, no, no.
0: I got this. Mm -hmm. I will be like God.
1: And we sometimes think we're good at humility. And mm-hmm. But it often surfaces mm-hmm. as self-deprecation or even self-loathing. Like, I think it can come in both forms. We were talking a little bit about pride in the book of Daniel, because there was just oh, a yeah. lot of kings and a lot of pride oh, at that play in kind of thinking, okay, what is humility? I have a lot of area for growth here. But to think of humility instead of thinking less of yourself, mm-hmm. but instead of thinking of yourself less. Just genuinely, like giving fewer moments of thought to myself rather than actually thinking less of who God made in me. Yeah.
0: Well, because self
1: deprecation,
0: it contradicts imago day. Yep. <laughs> you know, if we bear God's image and reflect God's image and image God to the world, then that kind of false humility doesn't have a place. And mm-hmm. true humility doesn't decrease our self worth.
1: Well, and self-loathing would do the same as self-deprecation.
2: Right. It's also interesting, though, since we're talking about the inner life. I love, you know, Calvin talks about how, like, before we can truly know God, we have to know ourselves, and before we can truly know ourselves, we have to know God. Mm -hmm. And I find that really powerful because there is this, like, you know, to use the seductive word again, there's this seductiveness. It's kind of bringing us full circle. Yeah. There's this seductiveness to sort of knowing the, sort of the, tip of the iceberg about ourselves, but not really getting deep and knowing the deepest parts of ourselves, deepest brokenness yeah. of ourselves, the deepest beauty in ourselves, the ways that at our core we image the Lord and are becoming more like Him. And so I think there is a ton of power for the Christian in actually knowing ourselves. But where like self deprecation or pride come in is when we just look at what's above the surface. We just look at what can be seen by others and then we judge that without sort of getting underneath that. And I think that's why it's so important to cultivate a rich inner life because it's so much more important what's like not being seen. It's so tempting to
0: just out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Get by. You know, and to focus everything that is seen. It doesn't mean that everything is seen is unimportant, Mm. but Like what you said, like it's not all there is, and it's not the most important. But goodness, it's tempting. This is all so incredibly convicting. Mm. And even the first question on day 12 was, what is the difference between confidence and pride? You know, because we just read in day 10, for the Lord will be your confidence. Mm. And so there is a place for confidence. Confidence is not anti-God, but confidence in the Lord actually requires humility. Yeah, And so... It is. That's interesting. I'm going to be thinking about that little Calvin roundabout you just
2: gave us.
1: I love a good Calvin roundabout.
2: David Benner wrote a great book called The Gift of Being Yourself, where he kind of unpacks that, and it's really beautifully done.
1: Oh, good. Yeah. There are so many good books. We're going to link them. Can we link them in the, yes, the, the show, show notes? Yes, the show notes are going to be... They're going to be excellent. Mm. I also, on the Humility and Pride Day, it feels full circle to read Proverbs 11:2 mm. When arrogance comes, disgrace follows. But... With humility comes wisdom. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm really sad that we have exhausted our hour and then some. However, I want to read over us, by way of a benediction, some of Philippians 2, because I just, if we're going to land at humility, I feel like this feels like the right benediction to read. So this is Philippians 2 and verse 5. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God, hello, garden, as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God exalted him. And gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.
1: This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, that's a beautiful ending. And I love that we get to end on Christ's humility. Thank you for pulling that. Yeah. That's beautiful. My favorite thing to do at the end of an episode, Lori, is having spent an hour opening the Word, and talking about the beauty, goodness, and truth we found there. I would love to just ask you, our guest, where are you seeing beauty, goodness, and or truth in your life? Yeah,
2: I'm recording this from our front porch, looking out at the river in autumn, like we talked about in the beginning. And that is, I can't even go into all the ways that that's just blessing me right now and Mm -hmm. redeeming Mm -hmm. some things for me in some pretty powerful ways. So, yeah.
1: I love that.
0: Thank you, Lord, for fall. Yeah. yeah, every time it comes around, I'm just like, yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's time. I think I have to love fall. Like I, I do love it, and probably more this year than ever. I fear winter. I don't like to be cold. Oh, don't talk about that yet. It's not time to talk about Guys, winter. I'm like the least popular kid on this podcast. I keep saying the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: don't talk about winter. <laughs> Shh. We're pretend like that's not coming. We're just going to enjoy <laughs> fall. Laura, you're such a wonderful guest. We're so thankful to have you as part of our She Reads Truth family, write uh. for us and have for a long time, and, mm-hmm. and just as part of the family, just to sit and open God's word with you. Such a delight and joy. Thank you, thank you for honest, good conversation. Yeah, really appreciate you.
2: Thanks, guys. Love you
0: guys. It did
1: just feel like just three people. We also, I'm sure we are. I'm sure people people will listen at some point. But this was just a good conversation that I needed. (laughs) Next week, we will be in week three of our series. So we will, having looked first in week one to proverbs about God, week two proverbs about the inner life. We're now going to look at our relationships, proverbs about parents and children, and so forth. Work relationships, marital relationships, and that will be with our friend Jackie Hill Perry, one and only, the one and only. And so next week is going to be great. And until then, Lori, what do we say? Keep opening your Bibles.